Yes. You are now listening to the sounds of 2-5 Daily. So, week four is in the books, ladies and gentlemen. College football had showdown Saturday, and it delivered. We had Ohio State and Notre Dame go to the very last play of the game. We had Florida State and Clemson go to overtime. Well, Colorado didn't necessarily show up. But, you know, we had UCLA and Utah, even though it was an ugly game, it went down to the last possession. You know, so we had a lot going on yesterday, you know, and it was a great day of football. I'm happy you know, going into week five next week. So let's go ahead and let's recap this weekend that was. So I mentioned Ohio State and Notre Dame. If Ryan Day wants to know where Lou Holtz is right now, you know, Lou Holtz called his team soft and said that they weren't physical enough to go into South Bend and win. But you know what? A lot of people have been saying that for a year, but not necessarily about South Bend, about Ann Arbor. Because Michigan has been beating on Ohio State the last couple of years. And Ryan Day somehow was on the hot seat. Even though after last night's win, he's 49-6 and overall. But if he doesn't beat Michigan this year, people in Columbus are going to go crazy. Because you remember I told you before, people in Columbus don't have a life. Now, you know, even with that being said, They were a missed field goal away from the national title last year. Like, I have no doubts that they would have beat TCU, which Michigan wasn't able to do. But that's a whole nother conversation. Kyle McCord grew up last night. 21 of 37 for 240. He did not throw a touchdown pass, but he made some timely throws that made you forget that he was a first-time starter. You're a first-year starter, I should say. You know, he outplayed Sam Hartman 17 of 25. 175, even though he threw a touchdown pass, he made some critical mistakes. He had some bad throws late in that game that were almost picked off, but they weren't, and Ohio State still had to drive the field, but they were able to do that. You know, Notre Dame was able to run the ball. Both teams ran the ball, 176 for Notre Dame, 126 for Ohio State. It was a tough game, 17-14 to is your final. I couldn't help but think to myself, it would be so Ryan Day for all the talk that we've talked about him. It would be so Ryan Day for them to score that touchdown with one second left. Gutsy call running the ball. Seattle Seahawks take note. But uh, he they ran the ball, 16-14, to got to kick the extra point. The refs put one second back on the clock, and I said, Wouldn't it be crazy if Notre Dame blocked that kick and ran it back and we have overtime? That's just the way the day was going yesterday. It didn't work out that way. But, you know, Notre Dame, you know, it was just like last year. You know, I brought this up last year. It was 21 to 10 in the the, – I was about to say the big house. I'm so sorry, y'all. Up in Ohio Stadium, you know, 21 to 10, you know, C.J. Stroud, you know, was there and the defenses were playing lights out. And Ohio State came on late. Well, this time, Notre Dame took the lead with about eight minutes left, 8-10, I believe, to be exact. Sam Hartman with a touchdown pass. And then from that point on, Ohio State played with fire. They went for the dumb fourth down on the next possession. Not that going for it was dumb, but the play they called was they just tried to get too cute, just like Clemson did, which we'll get to in a minute. But, you know, sweeping across the formation pitch, it was fourth and one. Just line up and push somebody forward. 
unless you're soft like Lou Holtz said you are, you know. But it worked out for him in the end. You know, Notre Dame got the ball back. They Both teams going back and forth. The defense is just bowed up. We talked about Jim Knowles being in year two. His defense showed up. I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like every time I watch Ohio State in a big game, Marvin Harrison gets injured or has some kind of health issue going on. He got his ankle rolled up on. He came back last night, but still wasn't himself. So Ibuka came through big time. You know, uh, Julian Fleming had some big catches on that final drive, but it was Ohio State 17, Notre Dame 14. Notre Dame, keep your head up. You're not out of this. You know, you came into the game number nine. You know, I saw uh, they fell behind Bama. So I believe they're 13 in the AP poll now. But the season is still in front of you. You still got Clemson. You still got USC. And, oh, by the way, college game day in Durham, North Carolina, next week against the Duke Blue Devils. How about it? You know, and, of course, Duke killed UConn yesterday. No need to really get into that. But, you know, down in Clemson, South Carolina, the Seminoles came through. They came marching in. And Clemson had a hell of a game plan. Now, since I've been a little kid and watching Florida State, you know, I watched Florida State for the first time back when I was seven. And I feel like since that time, the best way to exploit Florida State's defense is to throw it to your running back out the backfield, throw it to the tight end. You know, Jeremy Shockey, Brevin Knight, you know, Brevin Jordan. You know, and then I remember 2002 against the great, great, great Miami team that ended up losing to Ohio State. You know, Willis McGahee on the screen pass in the fourth quarter. Like, this is what Florida State does. This is how you affect their defense. So Davo Sweeney came out, was aggressive in the first half. He took everything Florida State threw at him, and he had an answer. Kay Klubnick looked comfortable in the pocket, a long way from how he looked against Duke on opening night, Labor Day. You know, but then in the second half, they just decided to get conservative. You know, they were up, you know, by seven on their way for the kill shot, you know, 24 to 17. And uh, what do you know? Kalen Deloach came through, got through, popped. Hey, club Nick, ball comes loose. He picks it up 56 yards later. We got a tied game. <clears throat> Excuse me. So then Clemson, had they both go back and forth, back and forth. Both teams started to play defense and tighten up. And then Clemson got some big runs from Will Shipley. You know, got into field goal range, 29-yarder. Here's this kicker. You know, all game, the announcer was talking about how he had retired. He was coming back. You know, this was the big moment for him in a big game against Florida State. Season on the line, basically. You missed this kick. And your playoff chances are probably over, or at the very least, you go to overtime and your playoff chances could be over. You could go 0-2 in the ACC, which you don't want to do. That takes us back to 2010. Billy Napier is the offensive coordinator getting fired. Dabo saved his job. So what's going to happen? So, you know, he misses the kick. Wide left. And as a Florida State fan, even though they were playing against my team, I have to admit when I see these kickers go wide, it does something to me. It takes me back to 91, 92. It takes me back to the Orange Bowl against Miami, getting a kick blocked. It takes me to wide left and that same game where Millis, Willis McGahee caught the screen pass and took it to the house. It was just one of those things where 
I was like, man, he missed it. Great job. Wide left. I'm screaming. And then I go, oh, man, I hope he's okay. <laughs> because, you know, as a Florida State fan, that stuff just lingers. And it just stays in the back of your mind. And when you get back into these big moments, it just happens again. So anyway, I digress. Get to overtime. Florida State comes out. Jordan Travis hits Keon Coleman. Who else? Deep on the 25-yard touchdown. Catch of the year in my mind. You know, now Clemson gets the ball. They have a chance to tie it up. Maybe if they get the touchdown, they're going to go for two and try to walk off with it. So what happens? You know, Shipley, nine-yard run, sets up third and one. Okay, now I'm nervous. Third and one, right? So RPO, K. Klubnik has the ability at the line to decide what he's going to do. And then what he decided to do was throw a screen to the flat, to the receiver? Why? Like, I guess he was supposed to catch Florida State sleeping right there. You sneak a touchdown right there, but you only needed one yard, young man. You could have quarterback sneaked it. You could have handed it off. You could have did a play action and throw it across the middle to the tight end. That was working all game, whatever it may be. He chose to throw it to the flat. So I said, okay, it's fourth and one. Maybe they'll throw, you know, some kind of play where they fake the handoff, get the back you know, right at the line of scrimmage, turn up field. No, I guess it was supposed to be a slant, but he overthrew it. So 31-24, Florida State gets out of there. Now, what does Florida State season look like? Syracuse is undefeated, but I don't want to be that guy. I don't think most Florida State fans are worried about Syracuse. So I think most Florida State fans have reduced this to a two-game season. Duke and Florida. Those are the two games left that I think most Knowles are concerned about. Clemson, on the other hand, 0-2 in the ACC, still got UNC, still got Miami, and then out of conference, still got the Gamecocks, still got Notre Dame. I'm not saying that we're looking at 7-5, and 6-6. Six and six. I'm just saying it's on the table. It's on the table. You know, I still think they win eight games at the very least, maybe nine. So, you know, they, they showed yesterday that they still have the talent. Sometimes it just comes down to coaching. Utah and UCLA. Utah, you know, physical. Is Cam Rising going to play? Is he not going to play? Whittingham tells us nothing ever, you know, but he didn't play. Nate Johnson came in, 9 for 17. Putrid performance as usual, but first play of the game. Dante Moore, my guy, the freshman from UCLA, throws a pick six. That ended up being the difference in the game. Final score, 14 to 7. And UCLA had a chance with about a minute 40-ish left. And then they got sacked on back-to-back plays, which just told the story of the day because Dante Moore got sacked seven times against the Utes. You know, not only did he get sacked seven times, but UCLA was supposed to be a physical team. You know, the talk is Utah is super physical. This is how they beat you. They wear you down. But the talk going into this game is that UCLA was just as physical as Utah, if not more so. And even though the Utes won the Pac-12 last year, they lost to UCLA during last season. So UCLA, uh, they they finished the game with uh, 32 carries as a team and nine yards. So, you know, the winning streak is still alive. 17 straight games at Rice Eccles for the Utah Utes. Utah uglied it up, ran the ball 48 times. Now we got to see if Cam Rising is coming back. 
because this ain't going to work on Friday night. I'm, I'm starting to tell you. They're going up to Corvallis. And I don't know if you remember, like I remember last season on a Friday night, Trojangelis went up there, Caleb Williams, Mr. Heisman, and they got out of there with a 17-14 to 14 win when Oregon State had control of that game for at least three quarters of it. So Utah better have Cam rising Friday or uh, Oregon State's going to knock them off. Speaking of Oregon State, you know, lost the Pac-2, the Tupac, championship game to wazoo yesterday props to wazoo props to cam ward put that man in your heisman conversation you know they were in up 35 to 14 oregon state came back respectable lost by three so they got the utes coming in on friday here we go washington state are they a pac 12 contender for this year we're gonna have to see but who is not and probably won't be a pac 12 contender for this year the Colorado Buffaloes. Woo-wee. That game was over before they got off the bus, I'm trying to tell you, ladies and gentlemen. So I sat up here all week long debating back and forth if Colorado could cover or not. And I did not think that there was any chance that they were going to win. So I was on board with Oregon winning. I did not think it was going to look like that. I thought at the very least Colorado would be able to get 20 points. And, oh, by the way, you know, high noon next week, they got Trojangelis coming into Boulder. So here we go. The season begins now. Now, with that being said, as I was looking at this game, you know, Dan Lanning, Cinderella story is over. We're playing for wins and they're playing for clicks. Okay. I like it. I like the energy, right? Now, what I, the energy I don't like is Kerry Steele, media member, by the way, saying that Oregon was taking a stand for us. Who is this us that she's speaking of? What stand is Oregon taking? Now, you heard me last week on Sports Reports' order say that I don't think that everybody that criticizes Coach Prime is racist, is a bigot, hates is hate, you know, like any of that stuff. Like, you can do both. You cannot be on board with Dion without being the illish dregs of our society. But when you make statements like that, it makes me wonder where you're going with that and who you're talking to. Now, back to the game. You know, uh, 35 to nothing at halftime. You know, Bo Nix came out looking like a Heisman candidate. But then, of course, the tail of the game. You know, Dion punted on fourth down. Oregon got the ball, got stopped three and out. So we thought, faked the punt from inside their own 15. So Oregon was coming out for blood regardless, and I don't think Colorado was prepared to match their intensity. Now, Colorado, we talked about it. Their offensive line, their defensive line, their lines, they need to build these up. They have the talent on the outside, Jimmy Horn Jr. They have the running back, Dylan Edwards. They have the quarterback, Shadur Sanders. So their ones and their stars, their best players, can match up with Oregon's best players, can match up with Trojangelis' best players. But then after that, it's a crapshoot and it ain't happening, you know. So Colorado is a talented team. You know, we knew that this day was going to come. Like I said, I didn't think it was going to be 42 to 6. But we knew that a day was going to come where Colorado either got humbled or they got beat. Now, this is the problem. A lot of people were out there after they beat TCU saying, oh, could they win the Pac-12? And then they beat Nebraska and people said, Shadur's the Heisman. 
And then they beat Colorado State, even though Colorado State took them to overtime and put up 2,000 yards on them in that game. Everybody said, oh, Colorado is here. Now that Oregon wins, these same people are running and hiding. They're, oh, everybody's a hater. Why do you want to see Coach Prime fail? You know they're responding to you and not him. You know, this is that LeBron James mania. We don't hate him. Sometimes we just don't like y'all. So me trying to be the objective guy that I am because I love Coach Prime. I love him as a player. I love him right now. He's inspiring. You know, what he did at Jackson State can't be commended enough, especially with all the adversity that he had going on down there. Now he's in Boulder, started off 3-0 and with a team that finished 1-11 and last year, brought in 60-70 to new players this year, trying to figure it all out, started 3-0. and I can't do anything but give him credit. But I also got to keep it real and just say, Oregon was the better team. And oh, by the way, USC might just do the same thing this weekend. Now USC's got a bad defense, as saw as seen last night, 42 to 28 over Arizona State, with Arizona State's backups on the offensive line still able to push USC around. So if Colorado doesn't score 20 on USC, then we need to have a different kind of conversation. You know what I mean? So Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin. I told you, running his damn mouth all week long, talking about we know who's calling the plays. We know what to expect. I'm not preparing for this. I'm preparing for that because Alabama showed us this against South Florida. Problem is, Alabama could have showed you whatever they wanted. They weren't going to play Ty Simpson, and they weren't going to play Buckner, right? So starting all over, Jalen Milrow, he's got the arm. He's got the legs. It just doesn't always work out sometimes. Sometimes the intermediate throws are where he fails. So where Ole Miss stayed in this game, because they had a 7-6 to six lead at halftime, but where they stayed in the game was the red zone. Alabama went 1-5 for five in the red zone, including a pick. Because when you get down to the red zone, you could play zone against Milrow and have somebody spy him, and he just can't function. Or he makes a mistake as attributed by the interception. You know, so Ole Miss was outscored 18 to three in the second half. You know, they were outrushed 148 to 56. I told you about Quinshawn Jenkins, and he just something's just not right. He only got 13 rushes. Jackson Dart ran the ball 12 times. Something's going on at Ole Miss that just ain't right. And oh, by the way, Ole Miss, you got LSU next week. LSU struggling with Arkansas down in the bayou, 34 to 31. Saturday night game, LSU. You know, LSU was a 17-point favorite or so, and everybody probably put money down on LSU. But LSU's got a major, major, major problem that Florida State exposed. That secondary, two different broken plays where K.J. Jefferson escaped the pocket and the LSU DB got caught looking in the backfield, <clears throat> and old Luke Hans ran behind everybody. Six catches, 116 yards, two touchdowns. But LSU was able to survive because Jalen Daniels had another amazing performance, as did Malik Neighbors. You know, so Malik Neighbors had eight catches, 130 yards, two touchdowns. Jaden Daniels, 20 of 29 for 320, four touchdowns and an interception. You know, K.J. Jefferson gave away two interceptions. He had three touchdown passes, 289 yards. I'm concerned about LSU secondary 
Ole Miss just isn't the team to expose it. So there you go. You know, so we'll see the Battle of Magnolia next Saturday down on the Grove in Vaught Hemingway Stadium. I am here for it. You know, uh, back to Colorado for a second. Forgot to mention the seven sacks. So Shadur has been taking hits all year. So I'm just going to hope and pray that he's able to play this whole season because a couple of these games like this, you know, it's not going to look so great. You know, the total yards from that Colorado game, by the way, Oregon 522, Colorado 199. That tells you the story right there. So, you know, of course, college football is continuing. You know, we're going into week five next week. But before I get out of here, you know, I got to hit you with my news and notes and my two five takeaways and things that I, you know, take, keeping track of. Kansas 4 0, back to back for the first time since 1915. And they're ranked. They are number 24 after a 38-27 win over BYU. It was a good game back and forth, up and down the field. And KU just pulled away late. Jalen Daniels looks good, just like he did last year before the injury. Kansas at Texas this weekend. Keep your eye on it. I'm not picking the upset just yet, but just keep your eye on it. Kentucky, 4-0 in three consecutive seasons for the first time since 1911. You know, they beat up on Vanderbilt yesterday, gave up a lot more points than I would have liked to have seen if I'm a Kentucky fan. But the Commonwealth will be a rocking come noon this weekend coming up because the Gators are coming through. Now, who's going to be second to Georgia? <laughs> Maybe if Kentucky wins this game, they can give Georgia some pushback. But for the time being, I have no idea who either one of these teams are. I know Florida beat Tennessee, but I don't think Tennessee is what people thought they were coming into the season. So not to take away from Florida, I just don't know how impressive it is given the data that we have about Tennessee now. Kentucky, on the other hand, you know, they haven't looked good. You know, they looked good yesterday putting up 45 points, but the defense gave up 28 to Vanderbilt. You know, they didn't look good against the MAC competition earlier this season. So I'm interested for this game in the Commonwealth Saturday. We'll see what happens, you know, Florida at Kentucky. Shout out to the Northwestern Wildcats. We know that they had a tumultuous offseason, you know, with that culminated with Pat Fitzgerald getting fired. Their over-under was set at three wins. You know, they were a one-point underdog to UTEP in Chicago, but they pulled it out 38-7. to They won that game. And then last night, they were down 21 in the fourth quarter to the Minnesota Golden Gophers, and they came back and they won. Now, it makes me wonder, it makes me wonder, I heard some names for the Michigan State job, and one of those names was P.J. Fleck. Hmm, story, non-story? I guess we'll find out. And I got some coaching lists coming for you later for Michigan State. Neil Brown, probably not going anywhere anytime soon. I told you last week he's saving his job one week at a time. And he did it again. Beat everybody's sweetheart. Texas Tech, 20 to 13. West Virginia is now 3 and 1. They got their Big 12 win. Texas Tech, who was a sleeper that everybody, well, not everybody, you know how we do nowadays, everybody. But there were a lot of publications and sports media personnel 
who said that Texas Tech was going to be their sleeper pick to win the Big 12 or at least get to the Big 12 championship game. Now they're one in three. They lost to Oregon at home. They lost to West Virginia yesterday. And, of course, there was opening week at Laramie, you know, at War Memorial Stadium in Wyoming. So Texas Tech, one in three, probably not getting to the Big 12 championship game. Props to Matt Campbell responding. You know, the loss to Ohio last week, coming out and beating on Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State made it respectable in the end, 34-27, to but Iowa State controlled that game from start to finish, and I brought up last week, and I'm going to bring it up again, is Mike Gundy coming up on the end of his time in Oklahoma. Oklahoma and Stillwater. So, you know, I don't know. I would like to think no, because he's been so successful there. He's the face of the program, you would like to think, but is it time for a new voice? You know, but we're glad we got a new Big 12, so we're gonna see. You know, UCF, you see hashtag UC Facts went into Manhattan, Kansas, and put up a valiant fight. It just wasn't good enough. So Kansas State's back on the winning track after the loss to Missouri last week. Dave Aranda. Now, anybody who knows 2-5 knows that I respect and I love Dave Aranda. But even I got to call out the shenanigans. Now, I know Blake shaping is hurt. But I'll take you back to 2021. Baylor went 12-2. and two, Had the epic Big 12 title game against Oklahoma State. Ever since then, 21-19. and 19. The way they blew the game to Utah last week. They had it in control. Gave it away in the last minute. And then they got... Beat 38 to 6 by the Longhorns. Now, no shame in losing to the Longhorns. That team did go into Tuscaloosa, remember, and win just a couple of weeks ago. But to lose like that on your home field to the big bad bully of the state that your school hates and that your fans get off on beating, it's not a good sign, my man. 21 and 19 since that Big 12 title. Could Dave Aranda be on his way out of Waco? I hope he gets another year. I don't know. Another loss like this, and he might not make it through that weekend. So that's that. Now, back to the ACC for a second. I talked about Clemson. 0-2 in the ACC. What does it all mean? This is what it means. So you got Florida State over here right now, undefeated in conference, the favorite to win the conference now. Then over here, you got a scuttlebutt. You got the Hurricanes. You know, undefeated overall so far, haven't lost in the ACC yet, who have never won the ACC. You got the Wolfpack, who I can tell you that as a Florida State fan, I don't want to see them in the ACC championship game just based off of recent history. But you got NC State, who has not won the ACC since 1979. You got UNC, Drake May. They haven't won the ACC since 1980. And they're undefeated. They went into... Is it still Heinz Field? I'm going to just call it Heinz Field. They went into Pitt last night and put the beat down on the Panthers. You know, keep your eye on Pat Narduzzi and Michigan State as well. More to come. But with that being said, um, you got Louisville, who was my pick before the season to be potentially this year's TCU. There isn't that many TCU candidates out there, but Louisville plays the ACC regular season with no Florida State, with no Clemson. But guess what? Friday night, they go to Raleigh. So that game is going to go a long way because both of those two teams 
play Miami. So we're going to see who's going to beat Florida State. I'm saying it right now. Who's going to beat Florida State in the ACC championship game? It's wide open. And don't forget Duke. I told you they got college game day for the first time ever this Saturday against Notre Dame. They're undefeated. They're undefeated in conference. The Notre Dame game obviously is not a conference game. Duke has not won the ACC since 1989. So we might see a piece of history this season if things continue on the path that they're on. Props to Georgia Tech for going into Wake and getting a win, by the way. So Georgia, Georgia, feasting on their cupcakes again. Yesterday it was Trent Dilfer and his Alabama of Bur- or Alabama at Birmingham Blazers. You know, not a test at all. But this weekend, this weekend, Georgia plays their first road game of the season. Carson Beck is taking the show down to Jordan-Hare Stadium down in Auburn, which I like to refer to as West Georgia. So we're going to see. Now, Auburn is not a good team. Peyton Thorne is not a good quarterback. But beware of Hugh Freeze. Because if you know, like I know, who freeze beat Alabama back-to-back years when he was at Ole Miss, 2014 and 15, last time Ole Miss beat Alabama, by the way. So I'm just saying, it's the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. Maybe I was wrong about Cincinnati. I came into the season and said Cincinnati was going to go 4-8. and eight. Satterfield, hiring Satterfield was a mistake from Louisville. And then they went to Pitt, beat Pitt in the first ACC game on the CW. Then they came back, lost to Miami of Ohio last week. And I'd be damned if they didn't hold Oklahoma to 20 points yesterday. And I just don't know if that says more about Oklahoma or if it says more about Cincinnati to be continued. But if I'm Oklahoma, I'm feeling a certain way. I'm a little nervous because you got the Red River shootout coming up in a few weeks. And I know, I know you're supposed to say Red River uh, rivalry nowadays. Uh Uh-uh. It's the Red River shootout. Anyway. So, BC, Boston College, you know, played Florida State last week. The bandana game. I told you the bandana game is always tough no matter who you are. It's just tough because they play their best game of the season, and rightfully so, because it's for a great reason. And then they gave up 56 to Louisville yesterday. Got doubled up by Louisville. So Brian Brom got that offense clicking down there. Woo! Where do I begin? Iowa. Iowa got shut out up in Happy Valley during the whiteout last night. But that's not even the crazy part about it. The crazy part about it is this is the weirdest stat I've ever heard. Just from the standpoint of, you know, we keep track of time of possession. We keep, you hear people talk about yards per play, yards per carry, those type of numbers. How wild is this? Penn State ran 97 plays. Iowa ran 33. 33 plays for a total game. I'm sure Oregon ran 33 or more plays in quarters yesterday. Now, where does that leave Brian Ferentz? He's at 84 points still. Got to get the 325, eight games left in the regular season. Got to get 30.1 to get there. If you count the bowl game, shall they make a bowl game? 
it drops down to about 23. So, you know, can but can I trust them to score 23 points a game? Where you at, Kate McNamara? You know, uh, like I said, Wazoo, the big win. Keep Wazoo on your radar. Talked about LSU secondary. New Year's six watch. And, of course, you know, for those uninitiated, the New Year's six watch is the G5 teams that are leading the race to play in a New Year's bowl. Now, who's the leader right now? Last week, I told you to keep your eye on Liberty and Air Force. They both won yesterday. Wouldn't that be something if one of those two teams got their Air Force just because of all the military restrictions and everything, but they would have to win the Mountain West. Liberty in their first year, CUSA, you know, they got the money. You know, last week I said ODU and, and JMU could replace Virginia and Virginia Tech. Maybe it's Liberty because ODU had a 10-9 to win over Texas A&M Commerce of FCS. But anyway, back to the New Year's Six. Guess who's in the top 25 right now? It just happens to be a team with two Power Five wins, one at Tempe and one in Ross Aid Stadium in West Lafayette. Those be the Fresno State Bulldogs coming in at number 25 this week. So I'm going to put them in the driver's seat because they're ranked and they're undefeated right now. But following behind them, Liberty still undefeated. James Madison still undefeated. I brought up Air Force already. Tulane is three and one. Keep your eye on them. They lost early. You know, they still have the recognition from last year because we know the committee likes to use the past to predict the future. They beat USC in the Cotton Bowl last year. So Tulane is still in this race. And then Marshall. Marshall went to four and oh with a win over the aforementioned Virginia Tech Hokies. Now, Hokies are in trouble. Now, Brent Pry, I don't think he's going to get fired this year. We know he took over a mess, taking over from Justin Fuente. But, but, Virginia Tech has lost in back-to-back weeks to Rutgers and to Marshall. And, oh, by the way, in two weeks, they get Florida State coming off a bye in Dope Campbell Stadium. So, Virginia Tech may not win another game this year unless they beat Virginia. And, I mean, Virginia came close Friday night against NC State, 24-21. to I don't know. Like, you know, I'm still watching Tony Elliott. You know, I don't know if he got another year. You know, I brought that up last week. I don't know if he has another year just based off of the tragedy that went down last year in Charlottesville. So, you know, but we'll see. You know, Rutgers had to end somewhere, right? You know, we knew it was going to end against the Wolverines, 31 to 7. They got me to cover because the spread was 24 and a half. How about that? But uh, Michigan, Nebraska this week. Huh. Is Michigan going to call their score? Hmm. It's interesting. I'm interested. So, you know, uh, I brought up a few games next week that I'm interested in. So we'll see what happens. You know, Alabama's going to go get some cowbell. So we'll see. You know, that was a good game last night. You know, South Carolina 37, Mississippi State 30. But I'm real interested in the SEC East. You know, if you've got Georgia over here, which I do for the time being, you know, these next couple of weeks are going to tell the tale. You know, Missouri pulled it out against Memphis yesterday in St. Louis. So you got Missouri, South Carolina, just based off of the way that they played Georgia. You got Florida. You got Kentucky. 
And then if Tennessee beats one of these other teams, you got a mess for second place potentially. And then the SEC West, what do you do? Bama still doesn't look whole yet. That defense is a buzzsaw, but they just don't look whole yet. LSU, I brought up the secondary. What's AM secondary going to look like when they play a good team? I'm not counting Auburn and Arkansas. A lot of people like Ole Miss. I don't. I'm not counting the Cowbells. So it may, predictably so, come down to that early November matchup in Tuscaloosa between LSU and Alabama. You know, in the Pac-12, you know, like I told you, Oregon State got Utah coming in on Friday. Cam Rising better play or Utah's taking an L. Oregon State was my preseason pick to make the Pac-12 title game. I didn't pick them to win it, but I picked them to go. They need this game, you know, if they're still going to keep that alive. Because Washington and Michael Penix, woo, woo, that boy is putting up numbers and he might just be the Heisman front runner right now, you know. But, hey, you know, Clemson 0-2, we talked about the ACC. Big 10, looking like we expected. Maryland is 4-0. Maryland goes to Columbus this weekend. Remember last year, Maryland played Ohio State pretty tough. So this is the type of game, Maryland, where if you want to announce yourself, if you want people to take you seriously, you got to go finish what you started last year. So conference season is here. 2-5 is happy. I'm hoping that you are as well. So like, review, subscribe. Let's get it on in the comments. Peace. <laughs>